right, I want you to notice verse 8 of 2 Kings chapter 22. It says, And Hilkiah the high priest said unto Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. And what we're going to preach about this morning is how to respond to the Word of God. And I want you to pay very close attention to the details of this message. And don't just get through this message. Hang on to it. Remember it. And then, because tonight... We're going to preach on how not to respond to the Word of God. And what we're doing, we're looking at two different stories, ones of a father and ones of a son, where we're, see, we're going to see a very similar situation where the Word of God is brought to them, and we see, we're going to see opposite responses. Now, we're looking at the good one this morning. We're looking at King Josiah, and it's important that we understand what's going on in Israel's history during this time, because Remember Josiah, he was a very good king. He became king at only eight, uh, eight years old of age. Eight years. And now he's been king for about 18 years. Uh, his heart was right with God. But this was a, a bad time to be king because it, Judah had done so much wickedness before that God had already pronounced judgment from Babylon on Judah. And that judgment, it had been pronounced. It was coming. It was determined. They weren't going to get out of it, but Josiah does not, he doesn't understand this. He's not familiar because the word of God's not being read. And so here we see them, they're repairing the house of the Lord, which is a good thing. And this is kind of a tough for us to imagine. You know, when we come to church, you know, we come with our Bibles. You know, we're all used to reading the Bible, the scripture being read in church like we just did. But this was such a bad time that they find a book of the law there in the house of God in the temple and they're like, hey, look what I found. You know, and they blow the dust off of it. And what is it? You know, it's the word of God. And so you've got a good king. He's got a good heart. But he's not been taught what all is in the word of God. And this is, this isn't just the Bible. This isn't just a spiritual book for them. This is the law of their land. This is their constitution. And here he is, the king. And he's not familiar with what it says. And all of a sudden, it gets read to him. And he has a very good reaction to it. Or I should say, the reaction that you should have. That he, that he should have had. And, but this was a wicked time. So this was, this was, it's hard to imagine a king 18 years in and he hasn't had this read to him. And that's exactly how it was during that time. And you know, here's the thing too. There's decent people out there today who in their heart, they have a desire to know the truth. They have a desire to please God and to know God. But often these people are in churches that are just so apostate that they've not been exposed to a lot of the truths that you and I have. And that's another reason, too, we need to be, you know, we need to be merciful with people when we run into people that aren't everything that they should be, that you know, even if they claim to be a Christian, that's why we don't just you know, throw people out of this church when they visit here for the first time. And they don't agree with us on every little thing. We don't know what they come from. And a lot of these people, they might have, in their heart have a desire to know truth, but it's not been, it's not been given to them yet. So, you know, before we're ready to just go body slamming these people and throw them out of the church or whatever, where you're feeling like doing, you know, and, and it's, it's my instinct too. You know, that, that's my instinct. And it's okay. I think that's good if that's your instinct, as long as you can control it. We shouldn't like false doctrine. You know, we shouldn't like heresy, but we do have to understand we've got to give people a chance to get exposed to the truth and then see how they respond. 
And many people that are out there, they respond like Josiah. Now, some don't respond like him. Some are like what we're going to look at tonight. But thank God for those that are out there that are ready to hear, that are ready to listen. And that's why we need to do what we can. Get, be out there soul winning. Be out there just preaching truth wherever we can so we can find these people because they're out there. There's decent people out there that will respond appropriately. So let's go ahead and look into more of this story and see what's going on. So in verse 9, it says, And Shaphan the scribe came to the king and brought the king word again and said, Thy servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of them that do the work, that have the oversight of the house of the Lord. And Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath delivered me a book, and Shaphan read it before the king. And so, again, this what they were reading to him, it was not something that was just important for spiritual reasons. It was important for legal reasons. It's the same thing that our wonderful governor has gotten to experience several times in the last year where he goes and he makes rules and things, but then people go looking at our laws and then it goes to court. And then judges look at it and like, hey, he wasn't supposed to do that. And then he gets shot down. And thank God he got shot down again some more this week. Now, if we could just start holding these guys accountable when they do that. Don't get me going on our governor, okay? But, you know, the thing is, often, you know, because we have so many laws and things, you know, they're not just going to remember everything. They're supposed to check up on these things. But they're not going to remember everything. But, uh, you know, it's probably scary for these people sometimes, these leaders. Even our president, this has happened recently, where all of a sudden laws are read to them, and they're like, oh, man, this is bad. So understand that this law that's being read, it's, it's the Old Testament. It's what we have in our Bibles today. And when, he, when he's reading this, this is something he is spiritually accountable for. He is legally accountable for. This is a really big deal. This is a very important thing. And it is. It's, it's crazy that 18 years into his reign, this hasn't been read to him yet. But that's just a reminder of the state of Judah during that time. They were in a, they were in a really bad place. But the way he ends up reacting, okay, that's why we don't want to beat him up. 18 years this guy's been king, and he doesn't know the law yet. He's not qualified to be a king. It wasn't about qualifications. Okay, Here's the thing. His heart was right, so when it got to him, he did the right thing. And Folks, if you have a good heart, you know the Lord's going to show you what you need to do. He's going to guide you and direct you. And you know, there's a lot of people, they've been exposed to a lot of truth, but they've got bad hearts, and they're always a mess. And they, and they can't get anything right. So let's look at, let's see what he did. Because it says in verse 11, And it came to pass when the king heard the words of the book of the law that he rent his clothes. Make a mental note of that too. Make a mental note because I don't want to preach all this again tonight. But when the king heard them read the book of the law, he rent his clothes. That was something they would do as a sign of humility back then. And when this king hears this, he's the king but you know what? He understands that the word of God trumps him as king, that he, even as king, is accountable to the word of God. And so when this is being read to him, he really, he didn't just say, well, I didn't know. No, he ran his clothes and like, man, I've not done everything I'm supposed to do. In fact, you know, as a, na as a nation, we've messed up. We've done everything we weren't supposed to do. And judgment is on its way as a result of it. And what does he immediately do? His immediate response is he humbles himself, not just before God. He's publicly humbling himself here in this situation. And folks, that's what we should do when it is brought to our attention that we are violating something from the word of God. When you hear preaching from the Bible and you see your sin 
displayed there, when that, when that scripture is given, showing your error, it's not time to you know, bow up. It's not time to harden your neck. It's not time to ignore it. You know what? It's, it's time to humble yourselves. Okay? And you know what? We don't rent our clothes in our culture. Okay, don't rip your clothes. No, don't rip, rent your clothes here. Okay? But at the same time, you know, you should humble yourself. You should be willing to get those things right. You should be willing to confess those sins, forsake those sins, whatever it is. Folks, it's the Word of God that's being preached. And I think part of our problem is we become desensitized to it. You know, it, we, we hear it so much, we get used to disobeying it so much that it starts to kind of, it, it kind of starts to lose its effect. It kind of, and that's, that's not good. That shows, because the Word of God, it's not getting weaker. It's your heart is getting harder. You're becoming more and more callous. And I, and I know Brother Todd's here. He probably sees this a lot even at camp that often, you know, you have those young people that when they first, the first time they get exposed to a week away from everything and are just hearing a whole bunch of preaching, I mean, it really knocks them upside the head. They've never experienced anything like that before. But then you've got these other kids. They've been to, they've been to all the camps. They've done it a million times. They know how to get through it. They know how to survive a week of preaching without letting it change them. And folks, that's not a good thing. You know, that, that's not a good thing. And I've been around that before. You know, I've seen that even when I was a youth director where, you know, the first time I we went to something like that, you know, the, it really had an impact on the teens. But it was like the next year, I'm like, all right, you know, I got really convicted last year. You know, I let them get to me. I got, and, and then, you know, and then as preachers, it's like you're always trying to find a new way to just get through to them and, and to get them emotional. And, you know, you got to get a better story than you had last year or whatever, you know, whatever, because you're just trying to get through because people get so hard to it. And, and that's where a lot of Christians are at today, where they can read the Bible, they can hear preaching from the Bible. A preacher can get up and name their sin, show them the Bible against that sin, and it's just nothing. That, folks, that's not good. That's a bad sign spiritually, you should get uncomfortable. You should you know, be wanting to squirm a little bit when you're, when you're hearing preaching, when you're, even when you're reading your Bible. You know, every once in a while when you're reading your Bible, you ought to feel bad. You ought to get convicted. That's what the Word of God is supposed to do. And when that happens, when God speaks to you, you need to humble yourself. It goes on in verse 12, it says, And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, and Ahikam the son of Shaphan, and Akbor the son of uh, Micaiah, and Shaphan the scribe, and Asahiah a servant of the king, saying, Go ye, inquire of the Lord for me, and for the people, and for all Judah, concerning the words of this book that is found, for great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book, to do according to all that is written concerning us. So when he realizes what's happened, is he he's like, man, first of all, we have messed up. And he, you know, and it wasn't just him. It was his father's, it was a previous generation. But you know what? He's still recognizing the fact that even though it was our fathers that messed up and have violated this, judgment's coming for us, and it's up to us to get right. It's up to us to repent. It's up to us to change things and to go to God. And so and he 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 realizes we are in trouble. And you know what people's Reaction is many times whenever they are confronted with their sin, it's just denial. Oh, it's somebody else. Well, it's somebody else's problem. That's not my problem. 
I'm an exception, whatever, you know, we, we tell ourselves all kinds of things, but we often deny instead of confess. We're like King Saul. Whenever King Saul was confronted with his sin, in 1 Samuel 15, 13, it says, And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, what, mean, what meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears and the lowing of the oxen, which I hear? doesn't sound like you were obedient to God to me. And Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord thy God and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Yes, I didn't obey God, but it was for a good reason. I was going to offer them for sacrifices. You know what he's doing? He's justifying. And you know what? I can't prove this. This is just my opinion. I think he made up that right then and there. I think as soon as he got confronted, I think there was something in him that was like, yeah, I messed up. But I'll fix it by just all of a sudden now I'm king. My word is law. You know, we're going to we're going to sacrifice him to God. And but you know what? What remember what Samuel said to obey is better than sacrifice. And, you know, Saul ended up losing the kingdom because of this. It is. It's just sad how when he gets confronted about a clear violation of God's word, he's just in denial. He just he, he doesn't confess it like he should. We see in first Kings 13, verse four, it says and it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, which had cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, lay hold on him. And his hand, which he put forth against him, dried up so that he could not pull it again to him. That's the story of that young prophet who went in. He wasn't supposed to eat anything or drink anything. And he was supposed to leave the same way he came. Y'all remember that story when he went to preach against Jeroboam, who had put up golden calves because he didn't learn from the previous golden calf. He goes and when the messenger of God comes to him and preaches the truth to him, instead of confessing it, you know what he does? He retaliates against the messenger tells the guards to seize him and his arm gets stuck there. And then he gets scared and lets the guy go. Y'all know that story, but that often is another bad reaction people have is instead of just getting right, you know, let's go after the messenger. Let's hate on the preacher. Let's just, you know, hate on the Bible. Let's hate on whoever it was that showed, you know, showed us these things. That's not the right attitude. And that is completely opposite of what Josiah did. A lot of times people, they... And we're not going to take time to go to the scriptures on this, but you know the story. Pharaoh. Pharaoh, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? A lot of times when people hear these things, when you hear preaching that you don't really like, when you hear preaching on your sin or when you read the Bible and it says something you don't particularly care for, you know, it's easy to just ignore it and hope it doesn't come to pass. And folks, that is a very common strategy with people. Just ignore it and hope nothing happens. And let me tell you something about the way God works. I mean, God, he's always working. He's always going to do what he, said he says he's going to do. But God is also very long-suffering. So the thing is, you can get the illusion that you're getting away with stuff because so much time has passed. But folks, that's just God being long-suffering, which means when you finally do get nailed, it's going to be so much worse. And whenever you, if you start to feel like you're, you've gotten away with something, just understand that is the devil deceiving you. The longer you go getting away with it, the worse judgment's going to be when you finally do get nailed. And the fact that you have not been nailed yet is just a reminder that God is being long-suffering, and so you better confess. All right?
Pastor Tommy, are you trying to get a confession out of somebody? I don't know of anything, folks. And I don't. I'm not trying to get anybody to confess anything. But maybe the Holy Spirit is. And if you're squirming in your seat right now, I really think you should learn from this message. And, you know, whatever it is, you need need to get it right because it's just going to be worse. So, and we could go on and on with examples of people in the Bible, you know, reacting in all the wrong ways to the Word of God. But Josiah, he did it right. He immediately, he, he humbles himself. He confesses immediately. Proverbs 28, 13 says, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. And let me think, pride is often what gets in the way of confession and repentance. You know, we don't want to change anything, because especially if it's something obvious too. Because when you change something... You know, and it's something that everybody can see, you know, that even if you don't come out and say it, it shows you admit you we're doing something wrong before. And a lot of people are just so stubborn, they just can't admit that. But folks, pride, that is one of the worst character traits that there is. That's what took down the devil. It takes down people all the time. You know what? If you need to change something, just do it. And you know what? And it, you know it, 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 it'll be annoying with everybody noticing it and asking you about it, and then you feel like you got. But that's that's where humility comes in. That's where humility comes in. And you know what? When Josiah, when he heard these things, when he read these things, and he rent his clothes, he he did that, not caring. People, you know, King Josiah, why'd you rent your clothes? Hey, not only was this a problem for him, this is a problem for everybody in the kingdom. And so he's public about it. He's humbling himself. He is confessing. And you know, a lot of times too, leaders, they struggle with this, just admitting any kind of wrong because, uh, you know, a fear of man. They have a fear of losing influence. And that often stops people from public confession. That's a horrible example for a leader to just, to just not admit these things. Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. And you know what? If I mess up as a pastor... You know, pride, my sinful instincts are going to say, cover it, excuse it, ignore it, just act like it didn't happen. You know, because if I, if, if I show my faults too much, people aren't going to have respect for me. What I need in order to do my job, I need the blessing of God. I, I, need, I need God to have my back, not all of you to have my back. Okay, and... So the thing is that if I will just trust God, say, you know what, I did mess up. I, I personally think it would be better for the church. I think all our leaders that we have, even in, poli- you know, our pol- in politics and things, if they would just humble themselves. If they would stop worrying about these things, oh, if I admit I was wrong in this area, what's the news media going to say? Hey, if you're good, they're going to trash you either way. So you might as well just focus on getting God on your side and just confessing, forsaking, and just don't fear Man, God is far more concerned with what is right and with what is holy rather than what people think. And let's, go, let's look at the, the one low point I can find in Joshua's life. Go, turn over to Joshua chapter 7. Because Joshua, we just preached the book of Joshua last year. I mean, what an amazing man he was. We've really only got, I think, one low point that we see in Joshua's life. And that was after the sin of Achan. And Joshua, he kind of throws a little bit of a fit after they lose a battle. And it says in verse 8 or 7, Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou brought his people over Jordan to deliver us in the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? 
Would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. He's kind of sounding like the rest of the children of Israel right here. Oh Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us round and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? Lord, this is going to make you look bad if we're losing battles. Lord, you can't let us lose. If we lose, you're going to look bad. But listen to what the Lord said. The Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up. Wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Israel has sinned. And they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen and dissembled also, and they have put it among their own stuff. And let me tell you, God did care about how he looked to other people. We see that it was brought up by the prophet Nathan that he had given David's sin had given occasion to the enemies of God to blaspheme. But you know what God cares about more than that? Is God cares about what's holy. God cares about what is righteous. And you know what? That wasn't the time to worry about how God looked. Israel had sinned and they needed to get that sin taken care of. That sin needed to be dealt with. And so God, God wasn't worried about that. Because you know what? God was going to win a whole bunch of battles after that and restore his name. And that's exactly what happened. Once they got that sin out of the camp. But God's like, I can't use you. I can't fight your, your battles for you if you've got this sin going on. So they, you know, they got rid of it. And folks, that's what we've got to understand. You know, often churches, they get worried about their reputation. And, and so they'll try to cover things up. Listen, you always have to just do what is right. Do the right thing, no matter how it makes us look. What, what is right what is holy, what is honest, is so much more important. And we might take a hit, but you know what? If we'll do the right thing, we'll forsake those things. God can restore everything. But if, we, if we're not willing to do that, then we're just going to have God working against us. And, if, and at that point, it's pointless. You know, when we have God working against us, we might as well just turn this into another Chuck E. Cheese community fund center, uh, like all the other churches these days. And, uh, and be completely useless to this community. So another thing we see about Josiah after this was read to him, notice too, he, when he heard all these laws that God said, when, when they went and read the Old Testament too, because you go back and you read the book of Deuteronomy, God warned them, if you do this, this, and this, and this, and this, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And, and literally Israel did every single one of those things and God did every single thing he said he would do. God prophesied back, I think it was in Deuteronomy, basically exactly what happened with Babylon. And so, but the problem was, obviously, many people throughout their history just didn't believe God's words. I mean, would they really have done these things if they would have known God was, what God was going to do? And the truth is, they knew what God's word said, they just didn't believe it. Folks, I mean, do you really think anybody would not get saved if they believed for the wages of sin is death, if they believed in hell, isn't that, and isn't that how you get saved by believing? But the problem is people hear it and they don't believe it. And so they don't get saved. And Josiah, when he heard the word of God, he believed every single thing that was, that was said. And that's, and so he rightfully got scared. And when you, if you're lost, and you hear the gospel preached, you should get scared. That it should scare you. 
And, and, and unfortunately, it doesn't with many people. I mean, it is. It's sad how many people you can go and you can show them what the Bible says about hell and it has no effect. That, that's not a good thing. That wasn't the case with Josiah, though. A good prophet takes every word of God serious. We see in 1 Samuel 3.19, And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him, and he did let none of his words fall to the ground. God cares about his words. God's words matter. The words of the Lord are pure words of silver, tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Why? Because these things are important. These things affect our life. They will affect our eternal soul. And we have to know what they are. And if you, but if you don't believe them, then it's, it's not going to do you any good. But Josiah believed God would do everything he would do. He got scared. And so we've got to understand every word in our Bible is there for a reason. God intends to fulfill all of it. And go, if, if you're not scared. Like, have you read the book of Revelation? And the fact is, many people have read the book of Revelation. They just don't believe it. And that's, that is not good. They're going to regret it because one of these days they're going to live it. Matthew 5.18 says, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. And so thank God that the... I'm so thankful that the Bible, it only says what it means and means what it says. I'm very thankful that the Bible... Uh, does not change and that when a novice misuses the Bible to try to pronounce some kind of judgment on you, I'm glad that doesn't have any impact or power. But let me tell you, there's plenty of warnings for a lot of things in this Bible that we should be scared. We shouldn't have to make up new things. I shouldn't have to make up new ways to threaten you and twist verses out of context. Uh, we shouldn't need to do that. But, you know, thank God it does mean what it says. And while there's a lot of negative, there's a lot of positive too will be obedient so we see josiah he also immediately looked to god to see if there was any opportunity for repentance and so uh we uh one thing that we've always got to remember the only reason god is ever really obligated to grant a place of repentance if it's in an area where he promised he would okay so for example for whosoever shall call upon the name of the lord shall be saved god promised he would you know, save anyone who will call on him. So the thing is, many times in the Bible, and I'll, I'll talk a little more about this tonight, God would often pronounce judgment. And if you read the judgment, we do not see repentance mentioned in there. Okay? When Jonah preached to Nineveh, yea, in 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Where's the call to repentance in there? There wasn't. But these people, they did. They proclaimed the fast. And they did confess and forsook their, they turned from their sins. And you know what? God turned from the judgment that he was going to put on them. And so God gave them repentance. It's not like the Calvinists. They believe when God gives you repentance, it means you were just going along one day and then all of a sudden God just made you repent of all your sins and start being good. No, what it, what it means for God to give repentance is he's just allowing that. It would be like if you sin against me and you come to me for forgiveness, okay? if I want to, I can just be like, no, I'm not giving you any chance of restoration. I'm too mad at what you've done, and I don't care that you've repented. I don't care that you've confessed and asked for forgiveness. I am not accepting it. Get out of my life. But, you know, and, and sometimes there comes a place 
where people, you know, God does give people over to a reprobate mind. And so the thing is, whenever we see judgments in the Bible, sometimes that place of repentance is mentioned. Sometimes it's not. But when people would go seeking for it, we see God is really good about giving it. And let me tell you, if you are ever feeling like repenting of anything, I can almost guarantee you God will probably give it to you. Because it's those that have given over to reprobate mind, they never seek for it. And that's why they've been given over to reprobate mind, because our God is very forgiving and really good about it. So if, if, if you're feeling like repenting, you better do it. Do not harden your heart. Do not do, not do that. You better get those things right. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. He's not always going to be able to be found. He's not always going to be near. When that opportunity is there, you take advantage of it. And even when it comes to um, salvation, God is only obligated to save those who believe. But you know you can't believe without God drawing you? And God's not obligated to draw forever. You know, in Genesis 6, 3, we see where God said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his day shall be 120 years. And we see God judge the world, because like, I'm not just going to fight with you forever, and God's not going to fight with us forever on things. So let's go ahead and read a little more of the story in 2 Kings 22. It says, So Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam and Akbor and Shaphan and Asahiah went into hold of the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikvah, the son of Harhas, keeper of the wardrobe. Now she dwelt in Jerusalem in the college, and they communed with her, and she said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Tell the man that sent you to me, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place, and upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the words of the book which the king of Judah hath read. The prophetess basically is telling them here, Josiah read that right. Josiah, yeah, the Bible meant exactly what it said. And judgment is coming you got it right. The interpretation was very clear. You are in trouble. Judah is in trouble. Verse 17, because they have forsaken me and have burned incense unto other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore, my wrath shall be kindled against this place and shall not be quenched. And so one of the things we see many times when it came to the specific sins that caused God to send them into captivity for 70 years, God was not going to give them a place of repentance for that. Okay? Judah was going to go into captivity. That was already determined. Okay? There was no repenting that Judah could do to where God was said, you know what, the 70-year captivity is not happening. They had already crossed that line, and there's a lot of scripture we could go into on that. We especially see that in the book of Jeremiah. However, while it wasn't a matter of if they were going to go into captivity... There was a matter of when they would go into captivity. So in verse 18, it says, But to the king of Judah, which sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall ye say to him, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, as touching the words which thou hast heard, because thine heart was tender, and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord, when thou heardst what I spake unto, against this place, and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and hast rent thy clothes and wept before me. I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. Behold, therefore, I will gather thee unto thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered into thy grave in peace, and thine eyes shall not see all the evil which I bring upon this place. And they brought the king word again. So while God did not grant Judah a place of repentance, 
God did grant Josiah peace in his day and allowed him to personally avoid judgment. And you know what? This is a wonderful picture of salvation because did you know that mankind is doomed? Did you know our country, folks, all the blood we've shed, all the things we've done, I can only imagine what's coming for this country. Mankind is doomed. Did you know the book of Revelation is determined? It's going to happen. Nothing's going to change that. The battle of the great day of God Almighty is going to come and blood is going to flow. There is no getting out of that. Mankind is not getting out of what's coming for them. However, there are going to be those who hear the word of God like Josiah, who recognize that they're a sinner, and you know what they're going to do? They're going to confess their sin to God, and they're going to believe on Him, and you know what? They'll not see that judgment. At least they won't be on the receiving end of it. And that's, and that's what the gospel is all about, folks. Mankind is doomed. Billions are going to go to hell as a whole, but thank God we as individuals don't have to go down with them. Thank God, you know, while God pronounced judgment on the world in Noah's day, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And that's why we've got to just continue being out there, preaching the word of God to whoever we can, because there's those Josiahs out there that just don't know any better. They just, they just haven't been told, but when they hear it, they're going to react appropriately. They're going to respond the way they should. They're going to believe they are going to call on the Lord and they are going to get saved. And you know what? And we, even as Christians, we can learn from this. Even though we're already saved, God, we can still have judgment here on this earth. We can still, as a church, we can suffer judgment. But if we will respond to the Word of God, if when confronted by the Word of God, if we allow it to guide us, to change us, to do whatever needs to be done, if then God can do great things and we can, we can avoid all kinds of judgments. And understand some of these generational things, you know, they're, you know, especially with uh, nationally and as a country, we're going to get nailed for it. But when the big judgments come, we'll talk more about this tonight. It always comes on a generation who is participating in the wickedness. Those that the, the, the kings, the nations, the generations that would repent and would not do those things. It never happened in their day. It was always in a day. And so tonight, we're going to look at the next generation. We're going to look at the son of Josiah. And we're going to see a story where the word of God is brought to him. And he has a completely different reaction. But you know what? God gave him an opportunity too. But you know what's interesting? When that judgment from Babylon finally came, it came on a generation who did, was doing the exact same things that caused the judgment to be pronounced on them. And that's the way God works in these things. So we just always need to be that exception. We need to forget about bad history and things and just always remember, while we're here, we can get these things right, we can confess, and we can be blessed, and we can miss out on all these problems. So with that, let's pray to your Lord. I pray this message just uh, will have an impact on people's hearts, Lord. I pray that you'll speak to everyone's hearts, Lord. If there's things that... Uh, as a church we need to deal with, I pray we'll deal with these things. We'll get them right. If it's as an individual, I pray we'll confess and forsake these things and we'll uh, get them out of our life. And Lord, we do thank you that you allow us repentance, that you allow us uh, 
the ability to be able to avoid uh, much of the judgment that's that's coming. And Lord, I pray you'll help um, us and this generation, Lord, to uh, have revival and to uh, Lord, there's there's no doubt we've got some bad things coming for us as a nation. But Lord, I pray that uh, uh, this generation can maybe miss it, that we'll get right and uh, we can see some great things in our day. And so help us to uh, just take your word serious in your name. We pray. Amen.